Well, good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord, it is Christ who calls us to this time of worship, Christ who meets us as the word is proclaimed and the word is sung and as we gather together in his name. Thank you for sharing with us in worship this morning, especially those who may be visiting, especially our guests. You bless us with your presence. We pray this is a blessed time for us all, and I would just remind you of the registration paths as we find those to our left or right in our pews. It is of help for us to have you sign those as we prepare for worship. As we prepare for worship, I hope you're mindful of opportunities that are before us for, for gathering and service and fellowship. Next Saturday morning being the third Saturday of the month, our food bank and closed closet will be operating out of the Uptown Ministry Center. Uh, always a blessed time of service, so we welcome any volunteers to help with that ministry as we serve God by serving our neighbor. You see as well the Living Faithfully study that approaches in September, the Five Talent Academy event on worship in October, to which all are invited, and also the uh, movie will be presented on the 21st, uh, the movie being The Shack. Also, something we don't see in our bulletin, in, um, on the 26th following worship, of course, there will be the jams and youth kickoff, but there will also be a reception in our fellowship hall for Jill Gardner, our new director of music ministries, so we hope that following the 11 o'clock service on the 26th, you may find your way to the fellowship hall uh, to welcome Jill officially. And uh, do be attentive to other opportunities as they are before us as we prepare to serve God. Um, and again, welcome to our time of worship, and we prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call. Come, Lord God, to receive our worship. Come, Lord Jesus, to receive our praise. Come, Holy Spirit, to receive our thanks. We are baptized with one baptism, eat of one bread, and a drink of one cup. We share one hope, one comfort, one goal. We are one people, united by our faith in you, We are one people, united by your love and mercy, to stand against any power that would try to tear us apart. We are one people, united in blessing and in suffering, united in joy and in sorrow, united in strength and in weakness. We praise. And we praise God in song with love divine, all loves excelling.
I invite us to go to God as we share in the opening prayer as it is before us. We go to God as we pray. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love. Work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth so that all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Together we proclaim the word of God. We will do so responsibly with the first psalm, number 738, in the back of our hymnals, and we will share in the sung response, which is the first, excuse me, the second response. Our choir will, so Jill will play that first, and the choir will sing, and then we are all invited to sing that second response. First we pray. Lord, by your word, you bring all things into being. You're the God who creates us and recreates us. We pray that as we share your word, as we hear your word, we remember that we are new creations in Christ our Lord. Satisfy us by your word. In Christ we pray. Amen. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. They are like trees planted by streams of water that yield their fruit in season and their leaves do not wither. are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is the word of our Lord. And I invite us to go to God in prayer, remembering that this is the beginning of a new school year. So for our students, our teachers, those on faculty and staff, uh, our prayers are with you, families, uh, as we enter into a new school year, as many did this past week and many more will do in this coming week. Our prayers are with you, and I invite us to pray. At the beginning of a new school year, O oh God of wisdom, we offer thanks and praise for the gift of new beginnings and for the opportunity to learn and to wonder. We pray for teachers, students, and staff that this year might be rewarding for all. Be with us as we face the challenge of new tasks, the fear of failure, the expectations of parents, friends, and self. In our learning and our teaching, may we grow in service to others and in love for your world, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
And I invite our children to come forward as Megan will lead us in our children's time. Good morning. We've got lots of boys and girls to here today. So raise your hand if you've already been back to school. Who already went back? Several of you. And who goes back this week? Peyton goes back this week. And I think Tally, you go to school this week for kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And Dylan, you go back to school this week. So some of us have already been back and some go back uh, this week. And we said a prayer for you just a second ago. And I have a question. So we all have get new school supplies when we go back. What's your favorite school supply to buy? Okay, I'll just take two. Let's see. Will? Games, that's your favorite thing to do, and maybe buy a few games to take with you. Ryder? Math, that's your favorite thing, so maybe buying a calculator and taking that with you. Okay, let's see. Tally? Your nap mat that has princesses, Gavin. Science is your favorite, so maybe buying some things that go with science and taking that. Caden? Science, too. Well, one of my favorite things that I did with back to school was buying my notebooks. And you would get brand new notebooks, and you could pick what was on the front of them. Sometimes they would have kittens or cats, or they would be blank, and I could draw all over them. Does anybody like drawing in their notebooks? Mm-hmm. Or writing, does everybody have to write their name in their notebook? Is that one of the first things you do when you get to school? You have to write your name in there? Well, think about this. Maybe God writes his name on our hearts like we're his notebook. He writes on us his word, and then he writes his name on our heart so that we know that we are his just like our fancy notebooks that we buy for back to school are ours, and we like to show everyone our special notebooks, God writes his, his word and his name on our heart to show us and to show everyone that we are his. I'm going to read you a word of scripture. This comes from Jeremiah 31, verse 33. I will put my word within them, and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they will be my people. God has written his name and his word in your heart so that you know that you are his child and that he loves you very much. So we'll be praying for all of you to have a wonderful week at school, whether it's your first week or your second week. And as you write your name in your notebook, remember, God has written his name on your heart. Let us pray. You can repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you that I am yours. Let me remember that I am special to you. Amen. You can go to Children's Church now. Thank you. Anything that keeps me away from the sermon? No, no, no I need you here. Just a reminder as we uh, speak of back to school that on uh, August 26th in two weeks we will have a blessing of the backpacks for our students and their families, so we look forward to that time of blessing. We hear the word of God as it comes to us from Ephesians chapter 4, a word that is referenced as you look at the cover of your bulletin this morning. We hear the word of God from Ephesians 4 and 5. Therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and to give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no evil talk come out of their mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear. And to do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I believe I have mentioned to you previously, on more than one occasion, that when it comes to advice, there is not much I want to do with it. That is to say, I tend to be quite hesitant in giving advice, and I rarely am interested in receiving advice. You've been warned. Now, I say this not to flatter myself and not to suggest you should feel likewise regarding advice. Quite the contrary. I'm sure there are those times when I would do well to take advice, and I'm sure there are those times when I am called upon to help someone by giving advice. Nonetheless, I share again that I still feel great resistance to advice, either to receiving it or to giving it which makes today's scripture from Ephesians something of a problem for me. You heard these words of scripture. They're words of advice. It's instruction. It's telling someone else what to do, how to live. It's not a narrative. It's not a story. It's not history. It's not a parable. It's not a psalm. It's advice. Not necessarily good news for those of us slow to traffic in the giving and receiving of advice. We heard what the letter to the Ephesians tells us. Let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor. Be angry, but don't sin. Let the thief no longer steal. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Sounds like advice, doesn't it? In fact, it may even sound like meddling. Here is someone daring to intrude into our business. How dare they? I remember the counsel of a therapist, Rabbi Edwin Friedman, my other Jewish savior. thank Thank you, thank you. You got that, yeah. It was Rabbi Friedman who said that when he was in a therapeutic relationship with someone, when he was counseling with someone, Rabbi Friedman was hesitant to tell the person what to do, how he or she should live. To do so, said Friedman, would would often do nothing other than invite resistance. Who are you to tell me what to do? To give advice would would throw the counseling relationship into a battle of the wills, something he called a will conflict. And I understand what the rabbi is saying. I understand because I confess I often experience that resistance when someone tells me what I should do. I also know that on those occasions when I have spoken words of advice to someone, I have at those times experienced resistance to whatever advice I have spoken, no matter how brilliant it was. Now this experience is not mine alone. Each of us, upon giving advice to someone else, knows the experience of being told in so many words, mind your own business. And each of us, upon receiving advice, knows the experience of wanting to say to the one giving advice, mind your own business. Yet here before us this morning are these words of instruction. Before us are these words telling us what we should do, how we should live. Before us are words of advice. So what do I do? What do those of us who recognize my experience do? Like me, do you feel the resistance even to this Christian advice? Like me, do you wish to hurry past these words and land on something less bothersome, something less troubling? Or do you, like me, in spite of yourself, grudgingly confess these words of advice 
need to be heard. Do you even confess these words are more than necessary to our lives as followers of Jesus? Do you come to that point at which you realize following Jesus without words such as these is really not an option? You see, if I'm honest with myself, I come to realize that my resistance to advice, even this Christian advice, is a sign of how I would prefer my life as a disciple of Christ to take shape. That is to say, there are those times I would like my faith in Jesus, my status as a follower of Jesus, to be something that existed only in theory, only in those places safe and distant from the ways in which Jesus calls us to put faith into practice. I mean, you understand, don't you? It's easier for us to to talk about how wonderful it is to love our neighbors than it is to practice loving our neighbors. It's easier for us to speak of how it is central to our faith to forgive those who have wronged us than it is to practice forgiving those who have wronged us. It's easier for us, isn't it, to live as a follower of Jesus in theory than in practice. So give me some wonderful story, perhaps a parable, making its point about forgiveness or faith or love of neighbor, something that I can admire and talk about from a safe distance. I'd much prefer that instead of this practical advice that looks me in the face and tells me, do it. That's what these words from Ephesians tell us, don't they? I mean, these words, if taken seriously, are not content to leave us alone and self-satisfied in this comfortable place of worship. And it is quite tempting for us to find ourselves comfortable and self-satisfied in this place of worship, content to surround ourselves with all of this for perhaps an hour an hour 15, God forbid. We can then leave here, right? And return next week. And it may be easy to do this if we pay no attention to these words of Ephesians. If we don't have to worry about being angry and not sitting and letting no evil talk come out of our mouths. It's easy for us to get comfortable here if we don't have to worry about letting all bitterness and wrath anger and clamor and slander being put away from us. It's easy for us to be satisfied with finding our place here once a week, not taking seriously this talk of being kind with one another and tender-hearted and forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Again, for those of us who, like me, may like to talk of of the wonders of forgiveness and civility and grace and loving kindness, these words of Ephesians are troublesome. These words telling us, okay, don't just talk about it. Do it. It's not that easy. I mean, we go from this place into daily lives that have never seemed more conflicted. We go from here into a world in which there appears to be no middle ground, no compromise, not even a place in which we can agree to disagree. Ours appears to be a frightening world of extremes, a world not of civil debate, but heated argument, a world guided too often by talk radio or cable TV, by sound bites and never-ending tweets. In such a world as this, do we persons of faith wish to attend to these words of Ephesians? You see, these words call us to put away falsehood, to speak the truth, to remember that we are members one of another. 
Well, perhaps our questions were the questions of those who first decided to follow Jesus. Perhaps these earliest of Christians wondered, like us, can we just sing and confess and pray and leave it at that? Can we call ourselves Christians, be members of the church, and, and leave it there? Or is there more than this to following Jesus? Well, for those of us who at various times within our faith journey ask these questions, the writer of Ephesians gives us this answer. And maybe an answer we don't like, but we don't have to like it. Yet our faith has told us for a long time we do have to practice it. We have no choice but to practice these words of faith. In fact, we cannot be followers of Jesus otherwise. It is not enough for us to sit and say, I believe once a week if our behavior with one another invalidates this confession of faith. Not the easiest of words for us to hear, but more than necessary for those of us who wish to follow Jesus. Because what is true for us is more than true for those to whom the Ephesians is written, those new to the Christian faith, those who say, okay, we wish to follow Jesus, what should our lives now look like? Well, Ephesians answers by saying, if you wish to take seriously living as a disciple of Jesus, you are to know your life on this side of Jesus is to be quite different than it was before you met Jesus. In Jesus, you are new creations. You who were thieves, you're not thieves anymore. You who lied, you don't lie anymore. The old has passed away. It no longer has any claim upon you. You're not a slave to your past. You're now free in Christ Jesus. That was then. This is now. There was your life before Jesus. You now live new life in Jesus. The life you now live is different from your life before. Here is what your life is to look like. These are the behaviors that define who you are as followers of Jesus. We look again at these words, and, it, and it's true. None of this behavior expected of us is easy. But how easy can it be to live as a follower of one who died upon a cross, a cross always front and center in our faith? Easy? No. But it can be done. I remember being part of a clergy and lay group and remember a particular meeting of this group a few years back. The leader of this group, a man of faith, was guiding us all through, through some plans as to how to reach out to the community, especially to those in need of basic medical care. At some point in this meeting, the leader of this meeting was interrupted by a member of the committee. This particular member sharply disagreed with the ideas and plans being presented by the leader. This member was not obscene, he was not profane, but he was direct and emphatic and maybe a little out of place. But the leader respectfully listened and the disagreeing member concluded the meeting continued. After the meeting concluded, the leader spoke to me in the hallway outside the meeting room. And he teared up as he spoke. Keith, he said, I want you to tell me if I am in any way out of bounds with my remarks or my plans. If there is anything I have done to offend or insult that man, I need to know. I don't want to lose him. We need him for this ministry to work. Will you pray about this and let me know? He had a lot of other options as to how to react, didn't he? You see, it can be done. It is possible that no evil talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to all who hear. It is possible 
to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from us with all malice to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. It can be done. Easy? No. But as we read these words of advice, as followers of Jesus, we have no option but to live according to these words of faith. Amen. I invite us to respond to the word by affirming our faith with words of faith from 1 Timothy, number 889. I invite us to stand. There is one God, and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all, to whom we testify. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Great, indeed, is the mystery of the gospel. And as we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. our places. We prepare to receive God's tithes and our offering as our ushers will come forward. Let us pray. Lord, from your loving hands come all blessings. You withhold nothing from us, not even your own son. We ask for daily bread, and you provide us all things. 
Accept these offerings returned unto you, and in your care may they accomplish great things for your name and for the sake of your people. Remain standing as we sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee, number 172. We didn't take, except at 845, right?
seated. I invite us to go to God as we pray. We share now in the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time of prayer in which I will speak various petitions of prayer, concluding each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, inviting you to name those persons or circumstances you feel led to to speak during this time of prayer. And then we conclude with the prayer that Christ has taught us. We go to God as we pray. We confess, Lord, the work you entrust to us is not easy, but it is work that matters. It is work that makes a difference. It is a work that brings glory to you and blessing to your people. And remind us, O oh Lord, we are not alone as we seek to be about your work. We are in this good company of faith, this community of believers, this body of Christ. And we are assured that you are with us now and always, even to the end of our days, that we are never alone. So, Lord, inspire us and assure us that there is great reward for this work and that matters unto eternity. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Piedmont Community Services. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers joined with those of your saints, those who continue to inspire and surround us now, offering voices in song and praise and in prayer. Praying with us as Christ has taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn, we stand as we sing, just as I am.
is Jesus who said to us, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>